Hello, 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 and welcome to the next episode of the Shane Walsh podcast. So I just want to say a massive thank you to everyone who has listened to the podcast over the last while, because I know this week there was Spotify did their kind of like their stats for the podcast and they did their stats and everyone had their kind of favorite moments and stuff. And some of the stats that have kind of come in for the podcast have been madness, like top 5% most followed podcast in the world. 82% of your listeners discovered you in 2022. Top 1% shared podcast globally, which is madness. 64 countries. I couldn't even name 64 countries have heard your podcast in the last year. And then there's also, yeah, it's just it's just mental. So I want to say a massive thank you. Even if you've listened to, I think there was nearly over 3,800 minutes of content created on the podcast over to 2022. And if you've listened even to listen to a second or shared it with a friend or reviewed it or whatever it may be, it means a lot. So thank you for that. Then the next announcement is I am opening up coaching spaces for my one-to-one coaching, which is very, very hands-on. You have me on WhatsApp, you have weekly check-ins, everything is tailored to you. So that is open. So there's going to be a link at the bottom of the show notes. If you want to work with me for January, I'm only opening up five spaces because I want to make sure that everyone is getting enough time everyone is getting enough of my attention everyone is getting what they are looking for and you'll get the results that you're looking for so that is a 12-week minimum sign up and then on the other side of things we have the female follows program and that is opening up and starting on the 9th of january and that's a six-week program that is tailored calories tailored workouts with videos that's also recipe books that are my fitness pal friendly if you want to use those facebook group with like-minded people where you can share everything you've got weekly check-ins and the price for that is it's a six-week program that's 169 for the six weeks so if you are looking to apply i would highly recommend to get booked in in december so then you know that you're set up for christmas and you can enjoy your christmas now you're going to save hands for after christmas so if you're ready to click and ready to get booked on to a call for a one-to-one click on the link if you want to go into the six-week program due to kind of like more of a cost conscientious area then the 169 for six weeks may be the best option for you so today's episode of the podcast is with the amazing luke hannah so luke is, is a pt based over in london he's also evidence-based nutritionist he's got nearly 10 years experience in the industry and he is extremely talented at breaking down the most complex information from really really high kind of complex studies into the most basic language that everyone can understand he has kind of a lot of followers on social media he has helped a lot of a lot of clients over the last little while particularly over the last 10 years so some of the topics that we talk about today are should you exercise for fat loss they're kind of like that adjustment of the mindset shift for when you potentially slip up skipping breakfast is a beneficial for burning fat or not tips for reducing stress eating and there are a few other topics that we talk about as well but i think there's a lot of there's a lot of information in this i do really think this episode is going to help an awful lot of you so i really do hope that you enjoy the episode with luke hannah luke how are we i'm good how are you good thank you uh luke thank you so much for coming on i know i've been kind of following you for quite a long time and it's kind of lurking in the bushes uh and then i was kind of like right i'm gonna get luke on now because i think some of the stuff that you're a lot of the stuff that you're putting out is definitely very useful for a lot of the people that will be listening to this podcast but for anyone who isn't aware of who luke is or what luke does can you give us a quick little uh little pitch for who you are yeah, sure. I mean, so I mostly post a lot of nutrition style content. Um, I've been a PT for almost a decade. Um, I've got de- a degree in sport and exercise science. Um, I've got multiple nutrition qualifications. I know, I think I actually listened to one of your podcasts the other day where you were talking to Martin and you've done MNU as well. So I did that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm currently doing a master's in obesity and clinical nutrition at UCL. Um, kind of bit of a shock to the system after 10 years going back to proper education but um something i wanted to do for quite a long time so i'm in my second year doing that now and yeah working with people online in person um most of the people i work with are probably trying to improve their body composition in some way so whether they're trying to lose fat or build muscle um, improve their mindset and their relationship with food and that type of thing and um yeah, <laughs> it's a quick overview. <laughs> it's a very quick overview. No, but it is like it, I think I think what you kind of saying there, kind of like it's how are you finding kind of going back into college? You're saying it's a bit of a shock to the system. Are you finding it's a little bit out of your comfort zone, or is it kind of 
the time commitment and you're kind of finding a little bit more what it's like to be like one of your clients and kind of busy trying to find routine or that kind of thing? Mm, I mean, it's part time. So that's why it's two years instead of one. But, you know, when I was doing my undergrad, I wasn't working at the same time. So it's been quite tough balancing that. But uh, yeah, I think it's just the course itself. I mean, the clues in the name clinical nutrition, it's it's very um, heavily weighted towards that kind of stuff. And most of the people on my course are, are doctors um, and they work in medicine in some in some um, in some respects. And I've only met one or two people who are coaches. So that's very new to me that all that kind of stuff and then if you know even when it's aspects or, or things or topics that I've covered before it's just another level another level of detail so it's just that's uh challenging for me at the moment but it's going fine first year got good grades and stuff so hopefully second year continues to go that way and then hopefully I'll end up with a qualification at the end <laughs> happy days no it's it's, it's a, and I think if you can get through M and you can get through everything I think those exams nearly killed me. Mm. Um, one of the the big things that kind of like, like you're t- from talking and seeing from your content and stuff was kind of, and the the type of clients that we kind of both work with on a daily basis are kind of people that are looking to improve body composition or trying to kind of lose weight in some shape or form. And one of the topics you put up recently enough, I think it was, was should you exercise for fat loss? And I think this is an interesting question because I don't think people are going to be expecting the answer that's going to come back. <laughs> yeah yeah so it's certainly an interesting one so i think i i mean to preface it like i I always try to shift people's mindset away from exercising with the purpose of losing weight or burning calories but at the same time we know that exercise is very helpful maybe not so much in losing fat but with helping people maintain weight loss so if we look at the National Weight Control Registry, for example, which is looking at different national uh, weight control registries in different countries. And they essentially take people who have lost a significant amount of weight. I think on average, the participants have lost about 20% of their total body weight. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> and uh, and maintain that for at least a few years, depending on which study, which uh, country you look at. And of course, it's just association also, but they try to look at the characteristics or the habits that people have in common and to find out what people are doing to help maintain that weight loss as well. And physical activity is one of the strongest predictors. Um, so that could be for a few reasons. Um, I probably won't. So I don't know if people have heard of the um, uh, oh, what's it called constrained energy expenditure model. I probably won't go into that because it's quite complicated. Um, but yeah, so essentially it just helps people keep the energy expenditure up. Obviously, as you lose weight, um, your energy, energy, energy expenditure is going to drop because you're losing weight and for all these other adaptations that occur. So exercise is very important with that. And I think if you're trying to lose weight, of course, you're actually trying to lose fat. You want to try and maintain as much mass, muscle tissue as possible as you're losing weight, not just for the to, for the look, but for metabolic health, etc. So exercise is going to be crucial for that. And I think what a lot of people also don't realize is that, you know, talking from a health perspective, exercise can actually help you lose a certain type of fat known as visceral fat, which is the fat surrounding your organs. And that's actually the type of fat that is actually damaging to our health. You have the other type of fat called subcutaneous fat, which tends to sit on your limbs. And it's actually pretty, no, it actually doesn't do that much. And it's one of the uh, one of the reasons that, you know, overall weight or BMI is not that great at predicting health. And if you look at things like waist circumference or sorry, hip to weight rate, hip to waist ratio, these are actually better because it tells you where people are holding their fat. So if they have um, more fat around their stomach, they are probably going to be holding more fat around their organs, which is where the visceral fat lies. And weight loss can actually help you reduce visceral fat independent of total weight loss. So, of course, as coaches, we're probably, you know, in the evidence space, we're harping on about a calorie deficit, the, the, you know, all of the time. And to lose weight overall, that is required, but you can actually shift where your body stores the fat. And the thought is that it potentially shifts it from visceral fat potentially to more subcutaneous fat. So if health is important to you, which hopefully it is for everybody, um, including exercise is very important for negating many of the negative side effects associated with adiposity. And it's actually there. Are, I've done posts previously about some really interesting studies that actually look at the cardiorespiratory fitness, 
compared to people's overall body weight. And they find that even if people are classified as overweight or obese, but they have very good cardiorespiratory fitness, they actually have lower mortality rates than those who are considered normal weight, but have low cardiorespiratory fitness. So if you care about your health, then exercise is something you want to be doing. Um, And as I mentioned, it will help you look better if that's uh, important to you. And most people it is, and there's nothing wrong with that. But yeah, I think um, it's just the idea of viewing it as something that you are just doing for weight loss. And that can also lead people to doing certain types of exercise, because of course, as we know how bad social media is, there'll be a lot of people telling you that you need to do certain types, whether it's fasted cardio intervals, what like you know, at the moment, for some reason, everyone's going on about how good Pilates is for aesthetics and weight loss, which is like doesn't make much sense. But anyway, um, I think it leads people to then doing certain types they think are better, where I think doing an exercise that you enjoy is the most important thing and something that you can adhere to and stick to and not just because someone's told you it's good or it's good at burning calories or you're doing it for weight loss and you want to have a good relationship with it so you maintain it that's kind of my stance so you you should you should be doing it but just try not to think of it as just something you do for weight loss if that makes sense i'm gonna play devil's advocate here Mm -hmm. should we do cardio or should we do weights for fat loss um so this actually goes against my my interest and bias but if you had to measure the, the two my my stance is always do whatever the hell you like you adhere to so for me like i like weight training i do go through periods of doing more cardio but like everyone i actually struggle to to maintain that because i don't enjoy it as much i mean i i, I do think that nutrition is always super is probably the most important thing and controlling your energy intake through through the the um food that you eat is is going to be the most important if you want to use exercise to supplement weight loss i would do whatever you enjoy but if we're talking strictly like for like what is better i looked into this a while back and actually cardio seems to be slightly more effective yeah, um, i think but- people are going to be surprised with that answer i think like i i there are studies kind of running is probably a little bit more effective than other methods and we and people when they kind of go for kind of like they're looking for that kind of like that secret sweet point of burning the most calories of per exercise and stuff like that we don't burn that many calories through exercise and when people when that lands for people it's quite kind of like right i'm actually doing this for my mental health i'm doing this for my health i'm doing that as a kind of like as a process rather than seeing it as a way to increase my output yeah um, for sure I think the other thing to consider as well is that people react differently to different types of exercise. Yeah. So for me, I know that if I do weight training or kind of like more hit or crossfit style kind of workouts, that actually I find my, my appetite being suppressed a little bit more. Whereas if I do, um, you know, steady state, longer endurance cardio, if I went for a run for 45 minutes or something, that impacts my appetite negatively. Like I get really hungry. So that that may lead me to eating more calories than I burned during that workout just because of that appetite increase. However, I know there are people and I've had clients who have the opposite. So how it makes you feel and impacts your hunger levels is also a consideration. Because as you say, we don't, unfortunately, we don't burn as nearly as many calories as we think from exercise. So if that's really making you increase your energy intake, then maybe that's not the best one to focus on. Yeah, no, I think like, you're looking for really body composition, probably weights will probably be the best bang for your book with that. If you're looking to like do both is <laughs> probably yeah, what the sure. best bang for your book is. And I've noticed that I have gone back to playing uh, football or soccer uh, in for the first time at a club level for about eight or nine years. And I've noticed that since it's included more cardio in my routine, my appetite has gone through the right. Like, you can't feel myself. Um yeah. And literally, uh, two days after a match, I'm like a bottomless pit. But then mm-hmm. I have to do some sort of weights in order to kind of make sure that my joints and my knees and my hamstrings and stuff stay in some sort of kind of contact and ready for matches. But I'm definitely not as not as hungry on those days that I'm kind of lifting weights. But everyone's different. Like you'll always find runners and stuff. You'll generally find runners are a little bit more appetite increase. Uh, because if you think about it, you're on the move for a lot longer consistently. If you think about it that way, if your car is consistently moving, mm-hmm. it's going to mm-hmm. burn more petrol. So you need to get more petrol into it for it in order for it to work. Um, one of the other things that kind of comes in 
for yourself and for a lot of people is that kind of like like we this is kind of coming up like this goes ep- out this episode goes out on a monday so it's kind of like when people are kind of like i'm going to start being good today is the language that kind of comes in and it's like no you're not being good you're being restrictive um so the biggest mind shift you, you've kind of put up a post saying the mindset shift for when you slip up mm-hmm. and how to kind of reword this or how to rework this can you talk about that a little bit more yeah i think you're right i think a, a lot of people have this mindset where if they slip up they're kind of they think oh fuck it you know i've i've ruined it there's no point continuing and i think most people relate to that and we you know i used to be there as well it took me a while to work on that and kind of like shift that mindset um i suppose you could say it's almost like a form of self sabotage as well and i use the analogy in the, in the in the post i think you're talking about of you know if you dropped your phone and you scratched your screen what do you do you don't pick it up and think if there's a minor scratch on it you think fucking fuck it and stamp on it or throw it like you know you just get on you might be a little bit annoyed but you pick it up and you get on with your day um and that's kind of the point is that i think you just need to get on with your life if you have a you know slip up and inverted commas um it's not the end of the world and i think it also mean the other thing i'd like to say on this as well is that most it really what how you react and whether you just carry on normally or you make some let's say like alterations or adjustments to your diet or exercise depending on what you've done so let's say i went out at the weekend and i had loads of beers and then because i was hungover i had loads of um ultra processed food lots of calories on on the next day what i do really depends on what i would suggest doing with clients depends on their current mindset so for example i have a client at the moment who's quite bad with um that kind of thing and would react or give up so for him, I just tell him, just get on with it. Don't worry about it. Just carry on. Whereas with myself, obviously, I've spent a long time doing this. I'm in a better place where if I do that, I can think, okay, I'm going to make some adjustments. And they're not. I think the important thing is that you're not punishing yourself. You're not thinking, okay, I'm going to go do loads of running this week, go the other extreme. I'm going to cut my calories and do all these sorts of things, which is actually just going to feed into a binge and restrict mindset. So if you can make small adjustments and I think, okay, I'm just going to make sure that I do get my workouts in the next day. I've had some extra calories and make sure I train a bit harder. Maybe I'll be a little bit more sensible around some of the meals. Maybe I will have one less snack than I normally have um, or opt for a lower calorie snack and make these kind of simple swaps. But it's not something that is a huge overreaction. I'm not doing it to punish myself. It's these small adjustments. And so if someone is in the right mindset to do that, that's a, that's a, a good idea. But if you are stuck in this yo-yo mindset, maybe it is a good idea to spend a period of time actually thinking, okay, I'm not even going to try and adjust at all. I'm just going to carry on because I need to get out of that um, cycle of punishing myself and feeling guilty and everything that comes along with that. So it really depends I, how you how you frame this, how you frame how your mindset is, and how you you frame your reaction. And I think a lot of people are going to resonate with you. The, the wordings that you've used, the kind of like the sabotage thing, it, it can be jumped onto or latched on very quickly by some individuals like I'm self-sabotaging. Like, no, you know what you're doing, but it could be just that you just aren't clear on what you are doing and why you're doing it. It could be perfection mindset. It could be auto nothing mindset. And those things can be worked on. And like, if you're trying to almost kind of diet yourself out of a shit mindset with foods, it's kind of like building a house on foundations with cracks. It's mm. not going to end very well. And that that kind of, you beat yourself up and you kind of, it can almost become like a, um, a self-worth thing that you're saying that, and you kind of blame willpower, you blame kind of like your resilience, you blame all these external factors, but it's generally not your fault. It's generally it could be the approaches that you have taken, these extreme things or these fad diets. And I had mm. Scott Bapti on and Scott Bapti talks about a fad diet as a food avoidance diet. Mm. and people and people just keep going for those because they want them they they want those quick fixes where do you like this is kind of coming out in kind of december kind of in and around silly seasons the first christmas we're probably gonna have a normal christmas in three years i think it is Mm. where do you kind of sit on kind of with i know the answer is going to be it depends already (laughs) Uh, that famous nutrition answer (laughs) of banking calories Mm um yeah i i think again it really depends on 
the mindset behind it and probably how extreme you go with it. I think if you're a little bit more experienced, you have a good relationship with food, um, you know what you're doing and you can be sensible with it where you you do think, okay, I'm going to go a little bit lower calorie leading up to these few days um, and then I'm going to enjoy myself. That I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I mean, personally, just on a normal basis for myself, I, I don't track and I haven't done for years, but I think I've got pretty good at probably my maintenance is probably like 3,200 calories a day because my size, my, you know, my job, I'm active, etc. But during the week, I probably eat around two and a half thousand calories, which then gives me, you know, I banked my calories. So I have some more flexibility on the weekends. And that's not something I'm not depriving myself during the week. Um, I'm not going super low calorie. I've just made some small adjustments. I've got used to that. And then it means that I can, and bear in mind, I'm not trying to lose fat or anything. I'm just trying to maintain sort of at the moment, just enjoy training, maintain where I am. I'm kind of happy. Um, So that's a kind of like form of calorie banking and the right way of doing it. Whereas again, if someone has a history of yo-yo dieting, you want to be a little bit more cautious with that kind of thing. And it might not even be that necessary if you are just, it's a couple days around Christmas you know, you might even really not really need to do it because it could also just feed into that previous mindset where if people restrict, then they're just going to go ham, like literally eat ham as well, <laughs> or potentially whatever on on the day. And that's just, that's not, that again, it's just feeding into it. So it might be better just not to do it at all, but it will depend on the person. I also don't see there's anything wrong with making slight adjustments, uh, saving some calories, for a period of a, of time where you are going to probably indulge a little bit more. Yeah, I think as you said, it, it is coming down to where your headspace is. I'd kind of be of the opinion if you're struggling to reset, banking probably isn't the tool that should be used for you. I'd probably look at addressing the other mental aspects around things and food and that side of things first. And what Luke is kind of talking about is a thing called a weekly calorie average. If someone has 2,000 calories on average to hit a day, multiply that by seven, that's 14,000 calories. So it allows you a little bit of wiggle room. So if you have 3,000 calories Monday, Tuesday, well, then that means that you've got 8,000 calories left for the rest of the week. And that's how you adjust it. If someone wants to bank calories, a small, subtle approach would be probably a better for most. Maybe if you're aiming for 2,000 calories, maybe save 100 of those a day that probably give you an extra 600 calories to play around with. And then it's re- the, the, the resetting it afterwards. That's a small, subtle one. But what an awful lot of people do is kind of more, almost like a mass destruction element, which is I'm going to go for 1200 calories Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And then I wonder why I overeat Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. That's through no fault of their own. That's just that their education isn't there at that current time. And it's working with someone like Luke or myself that can use that you can utilize those tools that will really ha- help you and aid you. So it depends on the mindset, depends on the person, but bankrupting yourself or smashing your phone or the other analogy mm. is the mm. slashing your tires and mm. uh, that a lot of people would use. The go on. Oh, so I was just going to say, I think like one of the things that could be quite beneficial as well is that, you know, always tell people you should enjoy yourself and eat what you want in some ways giving yourself what we call it unconditional permission to have what you want and we can touch on this later as well that sometimes makes it easier because you're telling yourself you can't have something it makes you want more but if you've kind of told yourself that on this day i'm gonna eat excessively to the point where i'm uncomfortable um, i'm not feeling good you know it can be sensible to implement even on the day some some i don't want to call them like rules but like considerations you know like if for example you normally start eating chocolate for breakfast but then you've got your the roast for lunch and then you're eating more and drinking in the evening and then having another big snacking even more in the evening maybe you could try having a a normal breakfast going for a small walk and knowing that you have that other food there later on and it's just um i think it's you know say it a lot it's a bit more moderate moderate a bit of moderation <laughs> but moderation isn't sexy the extremes are sexy unfortunately in sure. this wonderful world that we live in um but yeah no it's interesting what you said there about kind of like the chocolate like i always say to clients like you're a lot nicer person with chocolate in your life even ask your kids ask your partner 
what the answer is. And I'll normally go just to give you this big nod. So why are you restricting something? Um, and having it sometimes for some for some people, maybe having it earlier in the day is what they need because it's creating that trust around the food that they ultimately need that they're going to less likely to reduce or mm. to, to overeat in the evening on it. Mm. But one of the big things that kind of you've spoken about is kind of like you've spoken about that regular meal thing, kind of like skipping breakfast. Is it beneficial for burning fat or is it not? And what is the actual truth? Mm. I mean, if skipping bre- breakfast leads to less calories being consumed overall, then it will lead to fat loss. Um, however, this yeah, it's just because you are reducing your opportunity to eat, reducing your calorie uh, intake, and therefore losing weight. There's no magical mechanism where you know all these new fasting, intermittent fasting protocols, um, and skipping breakfast is yeah some magical mechanism which is then making lose weight outside of a calorie deficit. Um, and in fact, we have to consider though that actually there's quite a lot of literature talking about how having breakfast or how shifting more of your calories earlier in the day actually can be quite beneficial um, for weight loss. Now, again, this is going to be dependent on the person. And of course, we've all heard the marketing from, you know, cereal companies a few decades ago, which where they were pushing the message that breakfast is the most important meal of the day. You know, I'm not saying I agree with that, but you don't have to have it, but it's probably a good idea for a lot of people. And actually going back to that National Weight Control Registry, one of the habits of the successful weight loss maintainers is that they have regular breakfasts. Um, and again, there's nothing magical about that, really. It's just that if you restrict in the morning, you're more likely to make poorer food choices probably at lunch. If you wait, get to lunch and you're absolutely fucking starving, you're probably going to make poorer food choices. And there's a chance that you might even you know eat more than you saved from skipping that small breakfast or whatever it was you had. So having a sensible breakfast that is high in protein preferably also high in fiber or something like that that's going to keep you full these basic things then that's probably going to be good long term um but yeah you don't you don't have to do it and um i think also interestingly and this is something i kind of i think in our industry it's it's so stereotypical and this is something i've been learning more about recently this specific topic with in terms of like chrononutrition and nutrient timing. So we kind of went from no one should ever eat past 6 p.m. or it will make you really fat and really unhealthy to the other end where everyone is now saying it doesn't fucking matter at all, where we do actually have quite a large body research showing that shifting more of your energy to earlier in the day, and that doesn't necessarily mean you have to have a huge breakfast um, and not have dinner, but having more energy in your first couple of meals and probably you know, one of the main things is not having a large mixed meal, very high in carbohydrates and fat close to your sleep. It doesn't mean you can't eat in the evening, but if you're having like a large, very large dinner, that is, uh, like I said, mixed meal close to the bed. You know, our body is not as good at dealing with that as it would be earlier in the day. And that may have impact on what we call our circadian rhythm, which is our internal body clock. And again, it's funny enough because I, I thought about this and I pulled out a guy a while back where he was saying, no, you shouldn't have carbohydrates in the morning. And it's like, and then he was rambling on about insulin or something like that. And it's like, actually, no, you're you're most insulin sensitive in the morning. If there's a time to have lots of carbohydrates, it's probably best in the morning. Um, and I think this is, you know, again, we have so much research looking at the impact this has on shift workers, for example, nurses or whatever it is, um, yes. whatever job it is, you know, eating in the middle of the night is really not not good for you and again i really want to emphasize i'm not saying you can't have dinner you can't eat later in the evening but if you are snacking on processed foods a high fat high sugar at one or two in the morning probably not the best idea and i still think overall energy balance and the types of foods you're eating are much more are more important but timing does matter um it would it can potentially impact your health and so a lot of people benefit from shifting more of those and that more of the energy earlier in the day that can positively impact how much we eat and um metabolically maybe may have a slight advantage so it's just something to consider again the other things are more important but it doesn't mean that for example nutrient timing doesn't matter at all thank you for that very thorough answer and i can i can see you're kind of like catching yourself like the caveats that are going to come out there but this but this but this. Yeah. do you think as as humans that we overcomplicate nutrition um 
Or do you think it's ways, more? But then a... I think, like, say we go the opposite end where these things are nuanced, and I think we can go to the opposite where people are saying things don't matter where they might. Um, I think if someone is, for example, eating lots of nutritious foods, they are having a, a sensible amount of calories. Um, everything else is in check. I don't think it really matters if they have the old meal later in the evening or you know in the middle of the night or whatever. But if you are consistently having large mixed meals very late at night or very, very close to your sleep and the other things are not in check as well, um, that may have ramifications. All right. Good answer. Uh, the other thing that I think another kind of ramification, I think it's other, I think it's, a, yeah, I definitely think it's a, a thing, which is the, the old terminology of kind of cheat meals and yeah. how, if say, I'll, I'll play devil, devil's advocate again. If the client came up to you and said, I want, I'm having cheat meals on in the evenings or I'm cheat meals in the weekends and stuff like that. Are they problematic or is it kind of the mindset around things are more problematic? Mm, yeah so I, I again i think um it's certainly one of those things where it's more the mindset around it rather than like a physical <laughs> cheat meal again inverted comments that is a there's a <laughs> uh comments is a is a problem um i don't think that you know you're not cheating on your diet it's not your it's not your fucking husband or wife not that you should cheat on them either but <laughs> it's just a diet you're not cheating on anything um and I think it just it ties into the idea of allowing uh, yourself certain foods, a certain dichotomous thinking. So thinking of things in black and white terms, good or bad. Um, I don't think that's a particularly healthy relationship to have. And I think long term that will that will that could be problematic. Um, and, you know, for sure, like every time I talk about this, I have the little 15 year old bros in my comments who are just getting into bodybuilding and, or going to the gym and they're like, Oh, I love my cheat meals. And it's like, yeah, I'm not saying you, they always misunderstand. They think I'm saying that you cannot have these foods that they might consider a cheat meal. It's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, don't view it like that. And most people would probably benefit by having some more of these foods peppered throughout the week in maybe more sensible portions rather than restricting themselves all week and then having a whole day where they are effectively binging on a weekend um so i i certainly think the terms and the the terminology and the language matters and it can be problematic um but it's not saying you cannot have those types of foods and i mean that's a very big caveat to put out there that's not like what well, luke has already gone through an, an example of a typical week for him would be he would eat as normal as possible during the week just through hunger cues busyness all this kind of stuff and unintentionally or unintentionally or subconsciously whatever it may be there's a little bit more calories for those soul foods that mm. work for luke on the weekends and that little bit more wiggle room but ultimately subconsciously it's working towards that weekly calorie average that luke is aiming for like luke's trying to maintain at the minute yeah. Um. And that isn't sexy. People are always like, "Well, are you shouldn't. Are you not trying to build muscle? Are you not trying to do something?" It's like, no, just trying to live to, my like, life. <laughs> live your best life. Stay yeah. healthy. Yeah. I think exactly. uh, the other thing as well is that even if I, you know, I have that kind of method, which I don't focus on too much. It's just a routine that I've got into. Yeah. If I did really want something during the week, I would still have it. Like yesterday for lunch, I had, my lunch definitely could have been considered excessive. I had three bacon egg sandwiches with two bits of bacon each and an egg in each. And like, that's probably, I don't even know, probably 1500 calories fairly easily or something like that just for lunch. Not far off. And like, it's just because I wanted it. And it, it's not, I don't do it that often, but I didn't think, oh, this is really bad. I'm doing this. So I was like, I fucking want this. I'm going to have it. And then I move on. Like I said, I've gone on in my life. <laughs> and I didn't like think, oh, I've got to wait till Saturday because that's my magical cheat day where it doesn't matter. So <laughs> I think that's all part of having a kind of healthy relationship with the food. Did it, has it taken you a while to get there? Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. I mean, even, and I think, um, ties into a lot of things we've spoken about and just mentioning that one client that I mentioned earlier as well for him I, I said to him I was like you know maybe even right now it's not a good time just to focus on weight loss just we're just trying to work on the that mindset around food and then once you've done that then 
we can start to maybe focus on the weight loss. And for me as well, like probably the most recent habit that I kind of had to work on and it was quite tough was, you know, for me, like I enjoy socializing most weekends. I probably go out with friends. Um, don't go clubbing or anything anymore, but I enjoy going to pub or bars or to a friend's place, whatever. Um, and I got into the habit of when I was hungover on Sundays or Saturdays, where it was, I would then that would be my like excuse to just go again just go really hard i would for breakfast i would go get like a fry up there was a place nearby where i was living at the time that i really liked i'd get a big fry up for lunch i would probably i would get i got into the habit of getting these pizzas from i can't remember what the shop was but they did these really nice pizzas that were like but it was literally like two and a half thousand calories for the pizza and then i'd probably have some sweets and all this sort of stuff and then dinner might have been a bit more sensible but it was actually just because i got into the routine of it and what i was saying to my client was like there were there were things where he had these kind of like habits and routines and how we reacted to certain situations. I was like, sometimes you actually just, for me, the biggest thing was I actually just decided to prove to myself that I didn't have to do that. I just did it once. I just had, I did, I had like, I think I had a normal breakfast, had something that was probably a little bit more excessive for lunch and then I carried on as normal. And I didn't have like tons of sweets and chocolate and things. So I wasn't having like a five or 6,000 calorie day at the end. It was, I still had some stuff I wanted, but it was a little bit more moderated. And then after that, I was like, huh. I don't actually have to do this every single time. And, you know, it's the point where I was eating so much that I was like Monday, I was feeling bad, not from the alcohol, but from all of the food that I'd had. Like I was out of whack, you're not that used to it. And you're, you're eating really nutritious foods all the, like most of the time. And then you do that, you feel it. And, um, so that was probably the last thing for me. And that it took a while and that's okay. And it's also okay if you don't do it every time, it's just gradual, right? These things take time. Maybe you do it two two out of four weekends I would have done it and then eventually it's just not really a habit of mine to be that excessive the entire day if I'm hungover you're going away like when we're recording this you're going away in a, like in a couple of days or tomorrow I think mm-hmm. and how will you kind of reset yourself there or how would you advise well obviously it depends on the individual mm-hmm. but how would you advise someone to kind of like bring in that reset method that you've kind of just trained yourself over time to after a holiday and stuff because ultimately it's 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 not the norm there's going to be more indulgence there's going to be more food there's going to be more alcohol mm-hmm. how do you bring that in for yourself and how do you kind of verbalize to to clients that's like right i do it mm. it's normal why are we yeah. getting ourselves up for it mm. that's a good question um I think it's it's been such a gradual thing um, that I think I just, I just, I don't know if I nowadays, it's been so long. I think I, I don't think about it too much. I just get into my normal routine. I'm not trying to, again, overextend myself by doing loads of extra exercise or under restrict or over restrict, sorry. Um, I just kind of get back and get back into the routine and I, and I enjoy that as well. Um, but I think, you know, what I normally do when I go away is that because when I'm at home, I I, do, I tend to have my breakfast, um, have a coffee, I train, I have my lunch, I have an afternoon snack, I have dinner, and then I have an evening snack. When I'm away, I tend to not snack as much, but probably have a little bit more at the meals. And also when I go away, a lot of the time I'm quite active. So, you know, Still going walking to around. city break, going to be walking probably more than I normally do. I won't be training, yeah. but it'll be, still be relatively active. Um, I will, it's not, I don't think it's like necessarily a hugely conscious thing. I'm thinking I need to not snack to save for my meals, but things that are routine here, they don't need to be there. So I'm, I just, it's fine. I will, I will enjoy the meals that I have. Maybe I'll have a little bit more, stay active. Um, but none of it is kind of, like I say, none of it is like a punishment or restriction thing. It's just, um, yeah, I mean, I certainly will be having more than I normally would, but I think you also have to remember that especially if you are only going away for a few days, you're not going to do any like again, damage from that. Like a few days of eating a little bit more is really not going to be a problem. So I don't really feel like I need to adjust when I get back. I know it's not going to be an issue. I know that I'm just going to go back into my normal routine and it will be fine. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's not that I, uh, helpful, but I can't actually think like what I <laughs> actively think when I get back. No, but I... I, I have something. <laughs> but no, but I... I it, it's because it's so routine for you now. You don't think it's that big a thing. And mm-hmm. I think once you start to do it that little bit more often, like there will be times where you don't do it. 
but it's generally your sum of your actions. And if you do it more often than not, you will get to where you want to go. If you don't do it more often than not, you're going to probably stay where you are or go the other way. But it's creating that kind of routine of just saying to yourself, right, I'm not going to the gym the next day to undo anything because you can't undo anything. It's not a zip. You can't, you probably haven't done that in Verticom as much damage anyway. You like, you're more active anyway. You probably need a little bit more water. I always find in those city breaks, I don't drink enough water. Mm. Um, but you're having that little bit more food and you, you, you come back and say, well, I'm guilty. But guilt means you've done something wrong and shame is the overarching thing behind it saying I am wrong for having more fun with my friends or my partner for having that more food. It's kind of like if you spell it out that way, it's kind of like it's a little bit, a little bit harsh Mm. on yourself. You're beating yourself up for having a life. Like how often you actually go away in a year? Like, Mm. like if you think about it, there's 52 weeks in a year, in a year, maybe go for, or maybe two weeks holiday to say Spain or something for two weeks and then you've got one or two city breaks if you're fortunate enough to have that that's probably about three weeks out of 52 and you're focusing on those three rather than the other 49 mm. yeah for sure uh, um, most of the year matters more than some of the year it's like when you're it's like when you're like you don't get a mortgage for a house on your first paycheck it builds up over time uh, yeah. if you can afford it on your first paycheck I'm in the wrong job. Yeah. You love an analogy, uh, don't you? <laughs> I love an analogy. Why do you think me and Martin got on so well? Yeah, that was good. Uh, he, he was on fire that day. Um, yeah. What are some of the biggest tips you have for sustainable weight loss? Because I think sustainable is, it's used in kind of like the environment side of things, but it may not be used enough in kind of when it comes to nutrition and weight loss. Mm. So, I mean, again, if you're looking at something, if you're looking at research and again, looking at nas- national weight control registries, uh, the main habits that come up are um, meal planning. So it doesn't necessarily mean like meal prep, but generally people have some sort of structure or idea or goals about what they're doing and they're not just winging it. Um, second one would be, I mean, none of these are super shocking. And this, this is the thing, right? Like we spend so much time trying to hammer home these basics and they don't sound sexy and they're not some quick fix. But they are effective if you find a way to channel your energy into doing the things you probably know you should be doing, you probably will get results. So second one, eat some vegetables, eating enough whole grains, fibrous foods that are going to keep you full and provide you with nutrients. Um, The third one was in most of them would uh, reduce their sugar intake. And there's nothing inherently wrong with sugar. It's not going to kill you. It can't make you make you fat without a calorie surplus however there's no denying that foods that tend to be high in sugar um or are ultra processed are easier to overconsume. so while we don't want to eliminate it is sensible to limit your intake of refined sugars um uh as i mentioned regular breakfasts for the reasons that yeah we spoke about and then again another thing i mentioned was increasing physical activity so those were kind of the key habits that they found that these people all had in common that helped them to maintain that weight loss. They don't sound sexy enough. No, sorry. Uh, <laughs> keto. But like that's what people are going to say is like there ass. has to be more. <laughs> that, that like they have to. You have to do more. You have to do more. It's like no, no. Like literally, the planning thing. I'm not saying you have to plan every single meal, but even doing a food shop. For like even to get you into Wednesday or Thursday, because obviously the fruit and veggies could be gone off by Thursday. Even do a food shop until Thursday will set you up a lot better than doing nothing. And then it's a lot easier. But people are like, they almost, I don't know if they feel like it's a control thing, Mm. that they feel controlled or they feel like they feel restricted by doing it. But the the opposite's actually happening. It's effort. It's just really another thing like effort as people, are, people have lots of lots of uh, thousands of decisions to make a day no one wants to make the extra effort to put a bit of planning into something and i'm not, not saying that in like a facetious way or saying people yeah, are lazy yeah. like that at all um i'm just saying that's probably the crux of it right you know my life's not perfect some things i don't do because they're effort <laughs> but if you want certain results um or you want to achieve certain things then these things take some sacrifice in some way 
And uh, if some basic planning is something that's going to help you, then again, it's going to be dependent on the person, what that planning looks like or what they're doing. You can start small and you can build up. Um, even writing down some really basic goals, um, that kind of thing can go a long way. You mentioned that word sacrifice. Do you think there's a fine line with where that can be for people though? Because I would tend to agree with you that like a little bit of planning could aid you in your journey. And that as a, as you may have to sacrifice something in order to do like go to shop for half an hour or mm. whatever it may be. But is there a fine line when it comes to sacrificing, when it comes to fat loss or weight loss or the gym? Is there a fine line for people that we kind of go more too extreme when we take it too extreme? Um, yeah, I mean, pe- people do tend to do that. But I think, you know, no matter what you do, if you want to change your coat, not to sound like some motivational standard gym bro, fit pro, but, you know, if you want That's to change what I don't want to sound like. if you want to change your current situation then you've got something has to change and it's probably going to require sacrifice it is um and yeah i for sure agree you don't want to sacrifice too much go too far away from your current lifestyle and things like that but um something has to change otherwise nothing in your lifestyle will change not your health won't change your weight won't change so yeah, somewhere, to... whether that's time, energy, um, whatever it is. Work hours or family or whatever it may be. It's figuring, I think the biggest key is you need to figure out what your values are. You need to figure out what's important to you. I don't think a lot of people know what's important to them. They know what's important to everyone else and they're working off everyone else's time, whether it be your boss's time, work life, kids, partner, friends, whatever it is. You know, do everything else for everyone because mm. that's either been taught to you from your family mm. or your grandparents, or it's been a way that you feel as a way to kind of get that validation. It's But people-pleasing is more about what the actual individual wants rather than what the other people want. It makes you feel warm and fuzzy. Mm. People think it's like it's actually helping the other person. No, 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 it's actually filling a void in some mm. area of your life and you're filling that void with helping someone else. It's like really complicated, mm. but you need to figure out what's important to you. Like mm. my most important thing, if my mental health is bang on, nothing else can, can rock me. But if mm. I know if I let go of sleep by even 10%, or if I let go of kind of water or not getting regular meals in, my mental health will, or if I drop walking, drop, walking is my mm. therapy. It kept me sane during lockdowns. Mm. But so if I let those, therapy. yeah. <laughs> uh, but like, I know they, I know that they, that, that's what my value is. And I'm, I have to I work towards that. Are the days I miss it? Yes. But do I let it kind of go on for three days, four days, five days a week? More often than not, but I just kind of go back to what had been working. You will end up finding what works for you and what doesn't work for you. Um, so I was another question. Yeah, and I think it's playing around with it, and it's 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 testing it out. And I think a lot of people are afraid of that kind of fear of kind of like looking like a failure or failing. It's kind of like, but if you're not content with where you're at right now, are you not ultimately failing? Mm. If you're not living your life by your values, are you not ultimately failing? Mm. I think like, you know, I'm not saying that I would judge someone who's not trying, but I would I'd have more, you know, you've got to have respect for someone who's tries and fails rather than doesn't try at all. What's Michael Jordan's? It's like you never take you can never you can never score points if from any shot they didn't take. I've murdered yeah. that. I've murdered that quote. <laughs> um but it's you know what I mean. You can never yeah. you can never score from a shot you don't take. Mm. Um and it, it is true. Like we, I think, what is it? There's an amazing book of Ryan Holiday. Uh, I think it's Courage is Calling. And in that yeah, book, he it. talks about that fear. Fear is the one thing every single person on this earth has in common. Hmm. It can either bring us to where we want to go or we can let us derail us. And I think it's getting out of that comfort zone that little bit more often is where you actually probably figure out where you actually want to go. If the people, like if we look at, say, Steve Jobs created the iPhone, I'm sure he had fear that it was never going to work. Mm. But if he hadn't been so uncomfortable or getting out of his comfort zone, we wouldn't have all these touchscreen phones that we have in our hands right now. Mm. 
I mean, yeah, I think that's, this, this kind of thing is a thing, something I've been thinking about a lot recently because, um, you know, doing this this masters is for me has created a lot of anxiousness. Um, it's been tough, and I've I've uh, I've been very comfortable for a very long time with my job. It's good, uh, so I haven't had met like any major stresses. And so, yeah, I've been thinking a lot about how you know if you really want to do something, if it if it's if it's having that sort of impact on you, it probably means it's important. So it's not always bad, and some you know there's going to be some uh uncomfort when you're changing doing something that's challenging you yeah through discomfort comes discovery this was that through discomfort comes discovery mm. we're chucking out all the phrases all the motivation uh, features ryan holiday <laughs> massive any massive <laughs> uh, i'm sure i can figure out a few if i just if you give me a bit a few moments analogies and quotes from books i can do um but uh luke thank you so much for for coming on where can people work with you uh on a kind of online capacity where can people find about out about your social media mm. yeah so it's just luke hannah h-a-n-n-a uh luke hannah nutrition on everything instagram tiktok um i post most of my content on tiktok but if you want to reach me probably easiest places on instagram um because you can't dm me on tiktok um, I do have a website, lukehannonutrition.com. So if you're uh, curious about my services and things like that, then that's all the information is there. Um, and uh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, I would highly recommend to kind of check out Luke's stuff because he breaks down a lot of the complicated papers that are a lot of very boring to read, most of them, uh, into the very basic information. Uh, Luke, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you very much. Massive thank you to Luke for coming on to the podcast and some amount of information. The information there is is incredible. I really do hope it's applicable to you and it breaks some down some of the myths that are kind of going on for yourself. So if you've enjoyed that episode at all, please do tag us both up onto your stories. Please do share it with friends. And I really do hope you enjoy that. If you're looking to work with myself on a one-to-one basis, click on the link below. If you're looking to sign up for the female follows program starting in January, then click on the link below. Really hope you have enjoyed that episode. And once again, thank you for the amazing support through 2022 on the podcast.